Lena, could you just introduce yourself and let us know, uh, tell us a bit about your background um, before we okay. delve into all of your story. Yes, yes, okay. I'm, I'm Nina. I'm a member of Three Counties Church now. With That's your way to applause. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> with my husband, Richard. We love it here. Um, my, I've been, will have been a, a Christian uh, 30 years in this coming December. Um, I know I don't look 30, but I'm, I'm not quite 30 yet. And in that time, I've been connected to the Acorn Christian Foundation uh, 15 years with them on their ministry team. And then 10 years interspersed with that with LL Ministries, learning about um, deliverance and very deep inner healing. Uh, I had to go through everything myself, which was wonderful. Got rid of a lot of muck by being in both those places. And on the other side of that, I ran my own company um, on communication skills for 20 years, teaching people, going to companies, teaching people how to treat people properly, how to talk to them, deal with abusive people, customers, staff, etc., etc., and customer care. Um, and I always had a chair in the room with me wherever I was training, which was for Jesus. He always sat on it next to me, so we could do it together, not just me. <laughs> <laughs> so Alice and I know your story and I'm aware that there are probably a number of people here tonight who also mm-hmm. know your story. Um, so we know that you know you look really healthy now. Thank you. Uh, we know that at one point in your life you were also really healthy, but exactly. we also know there was a period where there wasn't. So can you tell us how you yeah. went from a place of health to meeting Jesus in the hospital? Yes, I can. I, I was healthy, actually. I was very well. And I woke up one morning and turned around to, to say good morning to Richard and found that my throat, my throat was closing and I was suffocating. And I didn't know why because I didn't know that it was an anaphylactic attack because I'd never had one and I'd, I'd never heard of them. And um, I prayed very, very, very quickly and it was one word, help. Um, and do you know, we phoned the uh, 999 and within five minutes... A paramedic was sitting with me on the sofa with the oxygen mask on me because he lived over the road and he had a day off. You know, so when I say things like that, you need to hear that this isn't about me, it's about the Lord being ready because that, that doesn't happen. Um, it was, it was quite extraordinary and I just knew, you know, who was in charge. Um, and I was raced in the ambulance, um, can I just ask you, when you have an ambulance coming up behind you with a red light doing this, will you move over? Because the drivers were saying, look at these people, they're just pulling in in front of us and slowing us down. And I, I'm on life support. Um, they said, so many people don't take the slightest notice of us. And I was, I was really awful, I felt awful about that. Um, but I spent um, nine days in the high dependency unit while they stayed, tried to stabilize me because they didn't know what had happened. I was just closing down. So I was on tubes and everything you, you could imagine um, while they tried to figure it out. But in order to get me um, stable, they had to give me 100 milligrams of steroids a day and 120 closes down your vital organs. So we were sort of like this. And 100 milligrams of steroids a day puts on a huge amount of weight very, very, very quickly, with it almost out of, out of your control. But, I, but on the, the, the plus side of that, um, 
I had nine nights in the high dependency unit. In the daytime, it was like the M25, basically. It was all going on because it was high dependency. Every single night, I had downloads with the Lord without fail. And I've got, I'm not going to go through them now. I've got 12 pages of notes I made in the night with lots of wows in red. Things he told me, things he showed me. We danced, we sang in my mind. We, did, we, did, we didn't stop for nine nights. And every morning with my cup of tea, which was about up as five or six, I was wide awake because I wasn't the least bit tired because I'd been spiritually ministered to, you know, every single night. Um, and... Um, I think it was one night, oh sorry, early morning, at quarter to five in the morning, I noted it here, actually I can put that down there, I heard of the audible voice of the Lord, I have heard it before, but it did rather shake me when I'm hooked on everything, saying, will you die for me? And I couldn't get my head round it, I just was lying there with everything going on, thought, will I die for him? I thought, will I die for him? And then he said, I died for you. And I said, yes, of course I will. But then me being me, I said, but I'd rather not do it now. <laughs> because, because I've got things to do, places to go for you. Um, so it, that wasn't what he was asking, because I wasn't going to die there and then. But he just wanted to know where I was with him. Um, although I'd known him, you know, quite a while. Uh, and what he did was, when the rest of those nights, was he ministered to me. He cleared out all my wrong thinking, all my judgments, absolutely everything. So while the doctors were putting me through a physical MOT, he was doing a spiritual one. So I came out, passed on both. <laughs> well, maybe not, but <laughs> I'm not sure. But I, I, knew, I knew what was going on. I knew exactly what he was up yeah. to. Amazing. And you go with the flow, don't you? So you came out of the high dependency unit after nine nights. Mm. Um, and then what happened after that? So we're talking, this is about 12 years ago, yeah. 12, 13 years yeah. ago. What happened after that? Because that wasn't the end of the oh, no. period of like ill health. No, no. That, that was, I thought it was, but it didn't quite go that way. Um, after, the, after the nine nights in high dependency, when they realized I, I was sort of possibly going to be okay, reasonably um, stable they put me in the one room less still near near the nurses um, and what happened then were four god incidences i don't believe in coincidences they're god incidences um, which i need to tell you about i had and i couldn't see the person but i had an angel sitting you know in the hospital you visit people there's a nice big comfy chair next to the patient's bed Somebody was sitting in that chair that night, like, I, like you're here, I could feel them, but I couldn't see them, um, saying, what are you worried about? And I said, well, I'm a woman, I, I won't tell you all the things I was worrying about, but I'm worrying about it, the extra weight, I'm worrying about my hair, I'm worrying, and I went on and on and on and on, and every single worry I had, there was an answer to, sometimes with a giggle. <laughs> so I thought, gosh, angels giggle as well. <laughs> Right? And, and nobody, and I was chatting. No, none of the nurses, I think, must have thought I was slightly potty. I don't know. But I wasn't on any hallucinatory drugs at all. But there was somebody in that chair who was ministering to where I was with how I was feeling as a woman with everything that was going on and happening. Um, and, um, I think it was about two nights later, 
I had been dozing, only dozing briefly, and my, I suddenly had to press the alarm button because my throat was closing again. And I didn't, I didn't panic, but I just waited to see what happened. Do you know, within a minute or so, I was surrounded by people with equipment, ECG, everything, absolutely everything. But the best person, and take note of this, any of you who go into hospitals or in hospitals, um, a nurse came up to me and said, may I pray for you? It's not politically correct, but I couldn't give a fig about that. Actually, I would do it. Shouldn't say that really, Nina. But she came up and said, may I pray for you? And I said, yes, please. And she took my hand and she prayed aloud in tongues over me. And within a second or two, all the equipment went back to normal. Absolutely nothing. It just went vroomp. And I, I felt incredible. And she went away. She came back with two cups of tea. <laughs> and she sat down and she said, do you know, this isn't my ward. I never come on night duty here. But I felt I should be here tonight. And as I came on duty, I said to the Lord, show me who you want me to pray for. And it was me. And then she just vanished, never saw her again. Just disappeared. You know, so he, <laughs> he brought somebody to me twice in two completely different ways. Um, and then the, the third of the four, are we okay with this? Was uh, when my curtains were drawn back um, sometime during the day, a lady was put in the bed next to me. And she was in the most terrible, terrible place. She was Spanish. She'd come over to this country to the Guildford School of Languages to learn English because she didn't speak English. She didn't have any family with her, just her. And she'd been hit and run, left for dead in Guildford High Street. And her body was bashed up beyond belief. But we pray. Oh, the, the only thing was, she could only speak Spanish. Guess who else could speak Spanish? Moi. And I'm in the bed next to her. And I used to speak fluent. I did get it back, back quite quickly, actually. But we prayed together all the time. Whenever I could get out of bed, she couldn't get out of bed, but we, we prayed together. And Richard brought her in a cassette. Very old-fashioned, that. And we gave her um, some of our music cassettes so she could play it. And she was going to play them. She was going to have about five or six major operations in different hospitals. But she was alive. But she was on her own. And then the cleaner came in and she could speak Spanish. So there were the three of us jabbering away in Spanish. But, you know, how cool is that? You know, so then he's having ministered to me, he's now using me to help her and bring a, a sort of smile to what was left of her, bless her cotton socks. Meanwhile, this is the last one, the woman in the bed opposite wants to know what we're doing. Yes! So, I said, we're praying. She said, oh. I said, well, would you like me to pray for you? And she said, she must have been in her mid-fifties. She said, nobody in my entire life has ever offered to pray for me, ever. Yes, please. I said, what do you want? She said, I don't know when I last slept years ago. I want to go to sleep tonight and sleep through the night. Guess what? She woke up in the morning, she'd slept the entire night through and wanted to know about Jesus. You know, he just, he's standing because there am I all hooked up to everything, on, on, you know, ready to be kept alive if necessary. And he's just, just doing the business and you, you can't, you can't go down the hill on that one. No. Because you've got to think, wow, you know? That's incredible, Nina, <laughs> that, that you, yeah, that, 
you've gone through this awful thing and then yeah. you're in high dependency, you I come know. out and you're not in high dependency, mm. but you're still in, uh, mm. still in hospital mm. and you're then ministering to all these other people there. Absolutely incredible how mm. God used you there. Extraordinary. Absolutely brilliant. Mm. So if we move forward to a different mm. point in your story, mm-hmm. so you, you left hospital, um, and you were going to a conference, I think. And something happened there. Yes, but, we, um, yeah. Yeah. Can we move on to that bit? Yes, that absolutely. Okay? We were, um, bearing in mind I'm still coming off steroids, which takes you a long time to come off. Um, and we had gone to Miami because we were meeting up with John and Carol Arnott over from Toronto. We were on a ministry team with them to go off um, ministering to people. And um, I stood up. We had some, there was a group of us from England. I stood up from the table and turned to talk and screamed like my life depended on it. Um, far worse, sorry, this is ladies only, far worse than childbirth. Okay? But it was, it was excruciating. Now I'm a very positive person, so I'm thinking, oh well, I must have pulled a muscle. The fact that I couldn't walk was irrelevant. The hotel where we were had a, wheelchair and there I went into the wheelchair and I stayed there and we went off for we min- I actually managed to minister I've forgotten that I don't know how I did it but I did but I was on painkillers because every time I moved I screamed um, I couldn't help it it was such a terrible pain here and when we came home Richard wanted to get me to the doctor but I'd managed to get into bed but I couldn't get out of it without screaming the house down and the, my GP came straight away and ministered to me um, a huge dose of morphine um, into hospital. And when I was in hospital, I, I'm getting quite used to, I was getting quite used to ambulances at 500 miles an hour, actually. It's for you, just put you in the centre of things, isn't it? Um, but they did MRI scan and checked me out, and they discovered my spine had collapsed. I had steroid-induced osteoporosis just because of the heavy dose of steroids, and my spine had given way. Um, That was painful, I can tell you, because you go to do something quite normal, like we're sitting here, and you go to move, and you actually can't without screaming, and then you feel a complete idiot because you're yelling, and you can't stop, but it is so painful. Um, And God, God stepped in in that, because I had forgotten he'd asked me would I die for, you know, would I die for him and he'd died for me. I'd moved on from there. And um, it turned out that there was a surgeon at the Royal Surrey first day in that hospital ever on duty who said to me, I don't know who got in touch with him, but said to me, I can fix that, I can operate on you and put bone cement in your spine. But he didn't have any funding, and he got it within 48 hours from the NHS. And he did, the, he did it two days later. It was extraordinary. I wish I would, hadn't seen the big bowl and the polyfiller and the, <laughs> next to me, because I said, what's that? And he said, that's for you. And I thought, I think you'd go home now. <laughs> A great big long needle. I was unconscious, fortunately, when he did it. It was the seeing it all and the mixing it all, you know. I've never felt happy with Richard getting polyfiller out since then, really, at home. Because at home, if he produces a needle, I'm off. <laughs> so anyway, he did this. He'd never done one in the Royal Surrey before. I was the first person that they allowed him to do it on. Hmm. Um, and when I came round, it was absolutely glorious because I had no pain. 
but I couldn't walk. And I had expected somehow to be straight back to normal and zipping along with life like normal. Um, but it didn't quite happen. Uh, I wasn't, the pain-free was wonderful, but I was stuck in a wheelchair. And um, I think taken aback and, and having a whole new life change, really, because you can't do the simplest things. Um, but the occupational therapy people, I think, were extraordinary because they filled the house up with everything I needed, including a big frame beside the bed like they have in hospitals so I could hold on to it to lure myself into bed, hold on it to get up and move. And every bit of equipment, there was so much equipment in the house, I don't know how Richard managed because I already had something with wheels. If I needed to get up and walk two steps, I could get up with this thing which I didn't tried not to use very much in case it ran away with me across the lounge. And I was then shrieking because I'd lost control of my walker. Um, but I had, a blue I had a living allowance, disabled living allowance, which I changed to less abled. Because I wasn't disabled, I was just less abled. And I wasn't going to call myself disabled and sort of just put that, upon me. I was less abled and I had a blue badge, living allowance. I had, well, had absolutely everything and also which who was free, I had a 24-7 carer called Richard. <laughs> you know, there was, there was no bill. I didn't have to pay weekly for that. <laughs> yes, take a bow. Take a bow. Because uh, his life changed too. Because suddenly there I was and then suddenly there I was, I was there. You know? So we've heard that mm. life adapting to life in the wheelchair mm. actually didn't just affect you, it mm. affected the family as yeah. well, it affected yes. Richard and, yeah. and those around you. Um, so is there, is there any more that kind of over those months and periods of being in the wheelchair that where it was dawning on you and, and kind of settling in that you guys were having to adjust to that? Were there more realisations and, and more kind of instances where you realise, oh, I can't do that or... I was very frustrated um, about not being able to do what I'd always been able to do in my entire life. But I never took it for granted that this is how I'm going to be. For some reason, I'm, never, I'm not going to be like this forever. And I'm, I'm not going to, because I'm not having it. I'm like that, really. I'm, I'm not going to take this on. Okay, I'm in it, but I'm in it. But I'm not in it, because I don't want to be in it. But um, um, I had lots of friends helping and people who would come, ladies thing again now, pedicures, manicures, do my hair, everything that they could to help me feel like a woman, even though I was still very large and, and struggling with all that. So and I had you know, friends coming to take me out in the wheelchair and push me around. And, you know, so I had a form of life, but it wasn't quite what I'd actually planned. <laughs> So we, again, know that in, in the story of you um, and your time in the wheelchair, mm -hmm. you have a story about some trousers. Mm -hmm. Can you share that with us? Mm -hmm. It would have to be me, wouldn't it, in trousers? I had been but muttering, is the word. I love to mutter to the Lord because he knows I'm muttering. I still love him. And he doesn't mind me muttering. But I've been muttering about clothes and trousers because I was very large and I couldn't get out to the shops because you, you go out with, in a wheelchair and try and put on a pair of trousers doesn't work. Um, and I was just slopping around in clothes that made me feel ridiculous. And I was set talking about it and to him. And uh, one day, it was a Sunday morning, and the doorbell rang. And Richard went, and it was a local delivery man with a parcel. 
And he said, this is my day off. I never deliver anything on a Sunday, but I felt I should bring this to you on my way out. So Richard brought it in, opened it up. It was two pairs of trousers in the size that was right for me at that time. I hadn't ordered them. I hadn't ordered them. So when he came back with another parcel on another day, I started to tell him about Jesus, and he ran off up the drive. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's because I blessed him a bit loud, and he probably didn't want other people to hear him. I don't know. I don't know. But the trousers fitted. But at the same time, I heard in my spirit a voice saying, they're just for you. You haven't ordered them, but you've got to pay for them. But I haven't ordered them, but I promise you faithfully that I didn't know anything about them. You know. What amazing provision. Extraordinary. Extraordinary. I mean, really, it's not important in the big thing. No. But it was just for my own satisfaction. I wanted to feel like a bit more like a woman again. Yeah. You know? But it's those little things as well that we can see that God cares about those bits yeah. as well. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Well, Nina, we can obviously tell that you're not in a wheelchair right now. <laughs> so something obviously changed um, <laughs> at some point in the past 12 years. Can you tell us the, what, what changed? Yeah. What happened? You're quite quick, aren't you? <laughs> Well, I'd, I'd had this, because I'd spent so many hours and hours and hours worshipping the Lord, I wanted to dance. And when I get on one of those with, with the Lord, I do go on. Just because I know he's very busy. He's got a lot of us he loves to pieces. Um, but I did, I did want to dance. And I had um, an amazing encounter with him. And I brought a, a picture along because it's, it's mind-blowing, really. I was actually saw myself dancing with him, and I loved I loved to dance, and I was dancing beautifully with him. But for the fact, excuse my language, now I had a wheelchair, my butt stuck in a wheelchair, but I was dancing with him, and he was, and he actually very lovingly said, "What are you worried about the wheelchair for? I'm not." And I thought, right, if you're not, why am I? Because that's stupid. And then this, this, I don't even remember how this came, but this picture is, is, is us dancing. And there's no wheelchair. Because he didn't see me with a wheelchair. He just saw me as me, loving him and wanting to dance. And that picture hangs in our bedroom, because I never, ever forget. Well, I I wouldn't forget. But it's absolutely extraordinary. And I didn't know I was going to get out of a wheelchair at all at this time. But I thought, if he can't see that wheelchair, uh, it doesn't bother him. It's not, therefore, going to bother me again. So, um, I think part of it is we want to be in charge sometimes. And he wants to be in charge. So he has a way of getting our getting our attention. Um, so what happened was, ten it was about ten months later. Richard and I went to a conference in um, Bath City Church. John and Arnott, um, John and Carol Arnott were over from Toronto, and they're fabulous people. I didn't want to miss them, and I discovered a perk in a wheelchair. You can go and sit in the front. They pushed you down to the front. That was the only perk I had. The rest of the time I was a nuisance to a lot of people in the street and what have you, tutting at me. Um, but I was allowed to go and sit in the front with, in my wheelchair. And I thought this was wonderful. Um, and then I started in earnest. Lord, it's Thursday night now. I want to dance. 
And all through the teaching on Friday, I was listening to the teaching, so you don't need to smack me. I really want to dance. In case you can't hear me, I'm here and the worship is wonderful. I really, I really, really want to dance. Into Thursday evening, I'm now moved from muttering to grumbling. Um, and when it got to Saturday, I was thinking, well, I'm not giving up because I've danced with you and, and I've, I know I've got this, but I really want to dance. And Saturday evening, John said, I wasn't going to do this, but before I speak, I need to say, does anybody want healing? And I know this is going to sound quite ridiculous. My fir- first thought was, well, actually, I want to dance. <laughs> because it's got to be healed to dance. But I actually wanted to dance. And I asked, it was Richard and somebody else, to lift me up out of the wheelchair to, so I could stand up. So they took an arm each and stood me up. I fell down splat and yelled. Poor Richard thought that my spine had gone again, didn't know what to do. And the two ladies on the ministry team came up to me, and one was talking to Richard, one was talking to me about um, what was happening. And um, the first thing they did was pray about all the steroids, which really was quite extraordinary, because I actually then saw a whole bucket of steroids that had been in me that were now no longer in me. And actually, it wasn't that long after it was discovered I didn't have steroid-induced osteoporosis anymore. It had, it had gone, because I never meant to have it in the first place. It was only drug-induced. Um, and then the other lady came and sat on the floor with me and said to me, is there anybody you need to forgive? Now, you know on the television you can slow the picture down sometimes. It goes quite slowly across the screen. And she said, do you have anybody forgive? I said, no, yes. <laughs> and I looked around and I thought, who said yes? And I thought, did it su- sounded like me. And then she did what I wish she hadn't done, actually. She said, what, who do you need to forgive? And I said, well, the surgeon. And I thought, what on earth did I say that for? The surgeon. And she said, well, why? why? And I said, well, he never told me I'd be disabled. Because that was how I was classed, not less able, disabled. And she said, well, can you forgive him? And I was so horrified. I said, no, I can't, with a oomph on the floor there. Now, I've been, as you know, with LR Ministries and ACORN, and we talk about forgiveness. We forgive everybody for everything. We teach on it. We pray for people. We everything. And I'm lying on the floor having a <coughs> no. And she said, well, why can't you, why can't you forgive him? And then to my absolute horror, and I'm sure it wasn't me, I said I want to hit him. And I had no idea I had a grudge against that man. He'd done a wonderful job. He'd taken away all the pain, and he'd, he'd solidified my spine with cement. So what was I holding the grudge about? You know, and I, I lay on that floor muttering to myself. And eventually, I did what I had to do and say, of course I forgive him. I'm so sorry for a vow I've made. I didn't know I'd made a word against him. But I do. I bless him. I release him from my judgment. And I can't do this very well with my finger. Oh, yes I can. I heard a click in my right ear. That's all. And the ministry team lady said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to get up and dance. And I stood up. I got off the floor I only stood, I only put one hand off on on an arm and I just stood up like that. 
the ministry team ladies came round me. We went into the corner of the room, just a little bit further away from John, and we danced ring a ring of roses, jumping up and down with me yelling. With, with glee, with glee, not pain. And we just danced and we danced and we danced and we danced. And when we left Pastor's Church, I pushed the wheelchair out. Yes! And that was it. And I thought, this is incredible. Because there was nothing, uh, nothing happened. It was just a click in my ear, dependent on my forgiveness. So then I had to deal with myself and think, right, is there anybody else I have, I need to forgive? And I, and because we can forget sometimes, and, and include, we need to forgive ourselves too. Sometimes it's such a huge, great thing. Um, so we went home, and, and my joy, absolute joy, walked in the door. I bent down and picked the cat up. I hadn't picked the cat up for a year, and I so missed it. She looked, she used to look at me and think I'd gone off her, but I couldn't get to her. So I bent down and picked her up, and then we, then the, then the fun even more, because I didn't need a blue badge for the car. I wrote, a, I wrote to them, I gave them my full testimony as to what I gave everybody my testimony. Um, I got onto the living allowance people who freaked out because they phoned me, I suppose, about a couple of days after they got the letter. You can't stop the money. I said, well, I don't want it because I'm not disabled. You've got the letter. Yeah, but we can't, we can't stop the money. You have to have it for life. Now, if I hadn't known the Lord, I could have thought, hmm, in the money here. But I said, no, I'm not having any of it. And then I made it worse by saying, I owe you three days of money. I'll send it to you. And they didn't know what to do with that. <laughs> but absolutely, we go, no, don't send it. Don't. This chap was just freaking out. I said, all right, I'll give it away, but don't you, don't you send me any more. Um, and it, it just went on like that everywhere we went. And I, took, I carried my lovely little stroller wheelie thing on wheels. I picked it up and gave it to the occupational therapist and then told her all about Jesus and she didn't know what to do with herself because <laughs> she was holding it. She didn't know whether to put it down and run um, or what to do. But it was just like he was saying, you know, I've done all this for you. Not that he wants his payback. I don't mean that. But, you know, now, come on, now, now speak to people. Tell them, what, tell them what's been going on. And the last person I saw was my GP. Now, I love my GP. Well, no, I don't. I have great admiration for him. Um, but it takes three weeks to see him. And on the Monday morning after we came back, uh, we phoned up. And we found he had an appointment, very first thing, Monday morning, on that morning at 9 o'clock. So I walk into the office, into his room with Richard. And he's, yes, as, as always, not a lot of eye contact. What can I do for you? And I said, well, actually, it's what can I do for you? And he went, because he'd seen me in a wheelchair. And I was, there I was, standing in front of him. So guess what? Told him about Jesus. And he said, what would you like me to put on your notes? I said, healed by Jesus. <laughs> so I typed them in, my notes, healed by Jesus. It's not difficult to be an evangelist, you know. It really isn't. When, even when, in, when the things were so bad, it was still not difficult to speak. You know, the, the guy, just going back a minute, the guy in the hospital was looking after me after the anaphylaxis attack was a Muslim. And the very first time I saw him, I said, pull up a chair, sit down, I need to tell you who's in charge. Um, you, I'm very grateful to have you, but actually, um, Jesus is looking after me. And he said, well, let's keep it that way. I'm very pleased. <laughs> And then off he went to pray wherever he prays. But I had to tell him that I was very grateful for him, but he wasn't in charge. You know, fascinating, isn't it? 
I'm right, I'm really enjoying living this again. I wasn't, <laughs> you know, I wasn't a shy, I wasn't sure. <laughs> so um, we we've heard of your time mm. when you were in the high dependency mm. unit that uh, you were having these encounters with Jesus, mm. and your notes are, mm. are here. And you shared a story with us this week mm. where. Not again that you had forgotten them, but yeah. they were just highlighted to you uh, yeah. again. So can you share um, yeah. that story with us again tonight yeah, and what you feel God is saying? Afterwards. Yeah, okay. I, uh, I'm not somebody who's desperately house proud, but, and I do sometimes get an iron out. But on going back last Sunday night, I had said to the Lord, um, I want something special for tonight. I don't want it to be like when I've spoken places before. They've got to be something new. And then I've just got on with my life and Richard was out and Tuesday afternoon I decided to do some ironing. And I just picked the iron up and plugged it in and this voice said, go and get your notes. And I thought, oh. And the thing was, I knew what exactly what that was. And it was 12 pages of notes from when I had those encounters with him over nine nights. And not only that, I went straight to them. I didn't know where they were. I went straight to them and picked them up and started reading them. And I have to say, I'm sitting here humanly with you. He's up there. I was up here for about two hours and I couldn't iron because I couldn't think what you were doing with an iron because I'd lost the ability to think about ironing because I kept going, oh! Wow, oh wow, oh my goodness me, oh Lord, what are you, why am I doing this now after all this time? Will you ask me for something for tonight? Because his word doesn't get stale or old or, or anything else, does it? So, so it, eventually I, I did actually finish the ironing. <laughs> but I didn't enjoy it because I just wanted to keep going, wow, wow, wow. Richard sort of came home and I was halfway up the wall. <laughs> I think he thought I'd lost the plot because I just could hardly speak to him because I was so thrilled at, at just the connection again. You know, we lose a connection with him sometimes through life, actually. Um, well, Nina, we'll ask you to share a little bit more about that, but there was a story about um, an Emsworth story mm. that you want to share first, so mm. we'll just quickly skip back to that yeah. and come back to that. Is that okay? Do any of you know Emsworth? Yeah, lovely place, isn't it? Um, I was, Rich and I were going out, it was when I was trying to get my energy back, you know, when you're in a wheelchair a long time and you've put on a lot of extra weight, you don't have a lot of energy, and we'd gone out, we decided to go to Wittering, because it, it's lovely to go down by the beach, and um, I kept looking out of the window so Richard didn't see I was crying, because I felt so tired, I just wanted to stay at home, it's the first day I'd, first day I'd ever felt like that, I wanted to stay at home in bed and hide um, and he said when we got down towards the coast he suddenly said why don't we stop at Emsworth for a coffee I was so relieved I thought oh good that'll be alright and we had a um, a coffee and then he said well let's walk round the harbour and I thought well, there's no way I'm walking round Emsworth Harbour it's too far but you can walk halfway round and then there's a little corner you go round that's out of sight with a bench on it and I aimed for that and said to Richard, I'm going to stay here. You carry on walking round. And I wanted to stay there because I wanted to cry. And I wanted to tell him just how ugh, I was feeling as if he didn't know. And as if he couldn't see me, you know, just to make sure he doesn't miss how I was feeling. And I got my hanky out ready to 
ready to just have a, a sob, not a, a, a wail, just to have a sob, because I wanted to feel better more quickly. And this woman came round the corner, and to my absolute amazement, I looked up her and said, hello, would you like to sit next to me? And all I wanted to do was have a cry. And then I'm looking at her and she said, oh yes, please. And she came and sat down to me and told me all about her bad back. Ding! And she poured it out, all about her back. And I forgot how I was feeling. Well, I, never, I never did feel it again. I immediately, spiritual antennae went up. And I thought, hello. So when she finished telling me, I said, may I pray for you? She, she wasn't a Christian. Yes, please. Do you know, only one person in 30 years has said they'd rather have the tumors they have than me pray for them. I don't mean that to sound boastful, but people want you to pray. You just have to ask. So I said, well, may I lay hands on you? And she said, yes. And I started to pray. Her mobile phone went off. And she picked it up and said, I can't do it now. I'm being prayed for. And cut them off. (laughs) And cut cut them off. That was it. So I, meanwhile, was with the Lord going, yes, okay, let's pray for this. And I lay hands on her and I prayed for her. Nothing happened that I was aware of. But she stood up and said, right, I'm, I'm, thank you for that. I'm going now. She said, do you know why I'm here and I couldn't think of an answer she said I live in Petersfield which is next to us more or less she said and I didn't know what to do today and she said I thought oh go to Emsworth she didn't know Emsworth she got a bus from Petersfield to the station she got the train she had a, with a bad back she got a train from Petersfield to Emsworth she got a bus from Emsworth station to the centre of Emsworth to walk round there and she said when I came round the corner and saw you I knew I could talk to you and Richard came back and saw what was going on and we have a, an agreement where neither of us is praying the other one carries on because someone reasonably near and, keep, and prays as well but when we got up to turn around and go back I could, she'd gone she, uh, there's no way she could have walked. I don't, I don't know, but she wasn't there. So all the way to, we did go to Wittering, all the way to Wittering, I praised the Lord. I walked further on the beach than I walked since before I was ill, and I had a new, new tongue to sing to him, because I always sing aloud walking along the beach and praising him, and I never gave another thought to how I'd been feeling. Extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah. Nina, you obviously have such a heart to minister to people yes, and kind of yeah. tell people about Jesus, which is so amazing and inspiring to hear as well. Um, what, what is it that God's highlighted to you this week mm-hmm. that um, he wants to do with us here today and you want to share? Okay. These are words from the Lord. Um, so I'm going to read them because I don't want to put in me in any way. Um, You cannot follow me unless you take up your cross every day, dying to self. Put your hand to my cross. Don't look back with regret. Tomorrow is a brand new day. How are you going to live it? What are you going to drag into it? that you should have left behind or dealt with? How much of yourself is going to be in the day instead of me? That's the Lord. How much of the immediate future do you focus on from a worldly point of view rather than seeing it from my point of view? 
That made me think of that again. Um, and then, this is a a big one. This was, I've written, hold on tight. The oil of unity. I give this to all my people, says the Lord. I pour my anointing on each one to cleanse their mind. However, where you must walk on the earth is much dust and dirt, which will be thrown at you every day. You must learn to come to me to be cleansed again whenever your mind has been soiled. As you do this, you will not be able to stand any of the filth in this world in your mind, but will love the purity and clear vision which comes only by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Trust me at all times and in all things. I think that's incredible. So that leaves that wide open. We've got oil. Yeah, do you want to say it? Amazing. Thank you, Nina. There's a, there's so much in what you've just read out there. Um, we're going to move into a time of uh, worship and, um, and we want to be able to minister you got to you guys as well. And, um, Nina, um, you and Richard are here with some oil as well to kind of link in with mm-hmm. that, uh, the word about the oil of unity, um, and the oil of unity mm-hmm. sort of being a cleansing thing. Um, do you want to say anything yeah. more? On don't, that? don't leave here as you came. Go, go with a freshness and a touch from him. Because I don't know what he wants to do. It's not my responsibility. It's just my responsibility to anoint anybody who comes out. Don't leave it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank, thank you so much, Nina, for sharing your story and sharing so much of what God's put on your heart as well.